Well, I got half as much time to do half as good a job as our pastor, uh, which is only like 20 minutes, and I don't actually say anything good until about 18 minutes, so we're going to get, we're going to move pretty quick, I think, tonight. So a couple, I'm dealing with a couple things this evening. One, uh, my wife and I are kind of doing a little bit of a purge around the house, checking out every nook and cranny, getting rid of some stuff. Uh, around the house, so if you're interested, you can check out our Facebook Marketplace, one, and then uh, two, if, if you just want anything, just come by the house, you can, you can have it, like uh, I got a queen bed frame if anybody's looking, but in that purge, and some of you may have done this, this has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm going to talk to you about tonight, but this is good information in case I trip and fall, okay, but um, we've been going around the house in the purge, and if you ever done that and you find stuff that you didn't know you had and then it becomes new to you again? Yeah? Like, oh, I didn't know I had that. And there it is. So I've worn like the same pair of glasses for like the last two years. And in the purge, I found another pair of glasses that I haven't worn for probably three or four years. But they looked so new. I was like, I'm going to look so fresh. So I've been wearing these glasses for like the last couple weeks. And when I say I've been wearing the glasses, what I mean is, is that I've been taking the glasses off more than I am wearing them so I can actually focus and see what's going on around me. So there is zero chance that I can have these glasses on and look at what I have written on this piece of paper here tonight. So, one, if I trip and fall, please call an ambulance because I'm old and frail, uh, but two, uh, I might wing it a little bit tonight in uh, what comes out of my mouth. So pastor said that he would correct anything uh, when I come back, when he comes back from uh, his trip. So don't hold it against me. Don't hold it against him. It's the glasses. Okay? Are we good there? So I also want to let you know tonight I'm going to try to do, tell you about two separate things that are separate but yet connected and I hope that the Lord will speak to you today uh, through our little discussion. But if you have your Bibles, just grab it. Uh, we're going to be looking in James just very briefly, the first chapter of James. And um, you've all heard this one before, uh, so it should come to memory pretty quick. Um, but James opened his letter to the 12 tribes that are scattered, and he, he tells them, uh, he tells them, count it all joy. When you fall into temptations, that's his opener, folks. Count it all joy when things are not great. The, uh, the kids would probably say today, James, that's whack, right? Count it, all jo count it joyful when you run into a little bit of trouble. Uh, it's a good thing. And that's how he starts his letter uh, to the churches, and then he gets a little bit farther into it. You know, hey, there's benefit there's an ultimate reward for enduring challenges in life and challenges of faith and challenges of relationships. And James gets to about verse 13 and he says, Let no man say that when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man with evil. Right? And he, he goes on in a couple of verses later and says, Don't err. Don't get this wrong. You can't, don't blame God when evil things happen to you, or these temptations come, or these life challenges, these, these issues and hardships that you face, God is not dealing you evil because God does not deal evil. 
God is good, right? He is good. And there is no way that he can bring evil into your lives. We think it's sometimes when bad things happen, we're like, oh, it's just evil. The, the devil's out to get me today. Sometimes it's definitely not the devil. Sometimes you just made a bad decision. Sometimes there's a lesson that you need to learn. Sometimes you're complacent and God wants you to be better. And so he just a little bit of a poke to get you moving in the right direction. And uh, we may think it's evil, but it's not. Sometimes God has to take us to school. Have you ever heard that statement before? When somebody teaches you a lesson, you say, they took me to school. And sometimes God has to take us to school a little bit. But rest assured, in James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Every good gift and every perfect gift, that's all God does. Good gifts and perfect gifts. Good, yea, perfect. And I want to talk a little bit tonight about gifts in a couple different contexts. So just stay with me. You might be on one side or you might be on the other side. Today you may be on this side, tomorrow you may be on the other side. One day you're going to need a gift, and one day you may be the gift giver. And uh, we'll, it'll become clearer as we go tonight. Is that all right? Lord, we love you today. Thank you for your goodness and mercy, your hand at work in our lives. I pray that your will would be done here, your heart would be on display for all of us today, Lord. I pray minister to each one in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. 2018, 2019, uh, a friend of mine got me hooked on Audible. <laughs> Any Audible fans in the house? All right. We've got a woo and a couple waves. Listen, guys. Invest in yourselves. Read books. Listen to books. Whatever time you got. I had a very difficult time reading books because I live a very busy lifestyle. My family, we were very busy. We were constantly on the go. There's constantly something to do. And consequently, something to pay for. But we're always busy, always on the go. And I found it very difficult to take time, pick up a book. Um, especially when you're growing up in the Netflix generation, you want that immediate, you know, let's watch that show till it's over, you know, whatever it is. And so a book takes a little bit more time. Uh, and you've got to have this time to, to read it. And I just couldn't find that time. So a friend of mine turned me on to Audible. And I'll tell you what, I have spent more money on Amazon's Audible than I have, I don't know, in groceries in the last three decades or something like that. It's just an obscene amount of money because they just rope you in, but that's uh, not an advertisement for them, I guess. But. So I love it. I'm hooked. Listen to it in the car. Listen to it on the, on the jog, on the run. When I'm doing triathlons, I'm listening to it. When I'm doing, when I'm doing like the um, Tough Mudder men, th I got my earplugs in, I'm listening to you know, decathlon, all that stuff. When I'm, when I'm racing NASCAR, I'm listening to it all. I'm listening to books all the time. And since I started, I probably have, have consumed probably over 200 uh, books slash uh, audible courses, whatever. I got into it because I wanted to consume the classics that I should have probably gotten in high school and didn't get. So right out of the gate, I did Les, Les Miserables which is uh, Mexican for um, the t 
I don't know, actually. It's, it's French for the miserables or something the, the, similar to that. But fantastic. If you've got 80 hours of nothing to do, probably one of the greatest uh, non-biblical books ever written. Love it, right? But I, I did Les Mis. I went through. I did, I did The Scarlet Pimpernel, which is like uh, Iron Man from like the French Revolution. Just an, a, great stories. I love them. Uh, I did Treasure Island, Count of Monte Cristo, a ton of great works. And uh, the entire canon of Sherlock Holmes. I love espionage. So right now I'm, I'm working my way through the John Le Carre collection. Probably got three or four more books in his series, in his canon to work on. Just love stuff. But some of the books that I've enjoyed the most are by, and you should know this, I hope you'll all be familiar, but some of the books I've loved the most are by a guy named J.R.R. Tolkien. Thank you, Brother Fobear. Uh, perhaps you're familiar with The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings, made very popular for many of our youngsters by Peter Jackson a couple years ago in the films that he created. But I love Tolkien's work. And one of... Uh, you know, people know The Hobbit, people know The Lord of the Rings and those titles, but there's other titles that were published after his death by his son Christopher. And one of those titles, it's probably my favorite, is called The Children of Hurin. The Children of Hurin. And um, it's mainly focused on Hurin's son, Turin Turumbar. And I'm going to do my best with the Elvish tonight. I didn't study it in high school. I studied Spanish, and I actually failed twice, so don't hurt me on my, uh, my pronunciation. But it's the, f the focus of the story of Hurin's son, Turin Turumbar, and he is the son and heir of Hurin. And Hurin's sort of like a chieftain of men, and he's, he's not a king, but he's a, he's a chieftain. He's a leader of, in a local area. He's like a mayor, but just so much cooler because he's got a sword, and he fights orcs. And Turin is a unique individual, and the story is kind of unique. It is not a happy story. At the end, you are depressed because it is very sad. Tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, and then the book's, <laughs> the book's over. So there's no, like, yay <laughs> at the end. It's just like you're wiping tears because you're broken. And um, it's a really a great story. Uh, if you're into depression, this is for you, right? Um, there's lots of it. There's dragons. There's romance. It's really weird. I don't have time to tell you about it. But uh, lots of things going on. Anyway, Turin is, is he, when he's about eight years old, this, is, this happens in the first chapter of the book, but he's about eight years old. And he had a, a confidant, I don't know what you'd call him exactly, sort of a mentor, but not really. But there was a man that worked, he was a woodwright, and he worked in Hearn's home, doing odd jobs and making figurines and doing different things with wood. And Tolkien says of him that he was lame. His name was Sadal. And Tolkien says... By ill fate or the mishandling of his axe, he hewed his right foot. So one day he was out cutting wood, and whether it was just 
bad luck or he wasn't paying attention or just wasn't skilled, he cut himself with his axe and he became lame. So much lame that he, he had to drag his foot. He hobbled around. And Turin calls him, uh, has sort of a, a nickname for him. And it's not out of, it's, it, it's not out of malice or angst. It's out of pity. He calls him Labadal, which means hopperfoot. So throughout the beginning of the story, Turin is constantly going to Sadal, to Labadal. And he's, he finds stuff around the house, pieces of wood that he thinks nobody will miss and that maybe Sadal can work on and do something with. And sometimes he finds tools that are not his, but he, he finds them and thinks nobody will miss them. And he brings them to Sadal and he, Sadal tells him one day, he says, you know, Turin, thank you very much. You give with an open hand, but give of your own. And he makes them return those things. And one day, it was on Turin's eighth birthday. His dad comes to him, who were in the chieftain of the people of men. He comes to him and says, you know, Turin, today is your birthday, your eighth birthday. You are the heir of the house of Hadal. And you deserve a princely gift. And so, on that birthday, he gifts him an elvish knife. And he hands him the knife and he, he explains it to him and he says, Turin, this blade would just as easily cut you as it would do work for you. You know, cut a piece of wood or do something else. So be careful with it. And Turin doesn't have the knife for very long until he goes to Sadal. And he comes to Sadal and he says, on my birthday, as the heir of the house of Hadal, in celebration of this great day, I want to give to you this knife. So he hands him this fine elvish blade. It was black iron and silver. And it was a custom of men in the story that whether you deserved a gift or not, whether, you know, whoever gave you the gift, somebody of great importance or somebody of lesser importance, you received that gift. And so he, he received the gift from Turin. And it wasn't long, a couple days maybe, and Hurin notices that Turin no longer is carrying the blade, that the knife is gone. And so one day while Turin's with his father Hurin and his mother, his father asks him, Turin, what did... Did I scare you when I told you that the blade might cut you and that you no longer keep it around you? And He says, no, Father, I gave the blade to Sadal, the woodwright, as a gift. And his mother says to him, she chastises him and says, are you, have you scorned your father's gift? Do you not appreciate what you are given? Have you scorned it by giving it away so freely? And Turin's response is, no, mother, but I love Sadal, and I am sad for him. And his father speaks up, and he says, Turin, all three gifts were yours to give. 
All three gifts were yours to give. And when I got to that point in the story, I stopped and I was like, three gifts? Somebody's math is bad. You gave him a knife. Let's count it up. One. All three gifts are yours. So I rewound a couple times, and it's changed my life forever. All three gifts were yours to give. Your love, pity, and the blade, the least. Your love, pity, and the blade, the least. Sometimes the gift is not the gift. Somebody say that makes no sense. You're welcome to to say that to yourself, not aloud, because it would hurt my feelings a little bit. But sometimes the gift isn't the gift. The real gift that he gave to Sadal was his love and his compassion. And the knife was just a representation of those things. And it was really the least of all those things. The things that you would put the most value on was really the least. And so he gives them the gift in his father's response, all three gifts were yours to give, your love, pity, and the knife the least. His mom says to him, Sadal doesn't deserve it. He's undeserving of such a gift and such compassion. It was his lot in life. It was his fault. He maimed himself of his own want of skill. He did not deserve the blade. Hurin again in his wisdom tells his wife, give him pity nonetheless. An honest hand and a true heart may hew amiss. An honest hand and a true heart may hew amiss. And the harm may be harder to bear than the work of a foe. People come through these doors all the time, come bearing whatever hardships, whatever ill will life has brought them. Sometimes it's just been bad luck, and they've fallen into tragedy. Sometimes it's of their own design. They've made decisions that have hurt them in the long run, and here they are trying to find an answer. Either way, our responsibility is not to judge. As Christians, we have this amazing opportunity to give gifts to those who even we may think are undeserving. God gives good and perfect gifts. Should we not model that sort of behavior as Christians? So when you see somebody, you never, you never even know. You, sometimes you never know. A handshake, a kind word, what does that cost you? You don't think it's much. You think it's a handshake, a kind word, haven't seen you, welcome back, wanted to check on you, whatever it is. Those courtesies are not just courtesies. That gift is not just, is not the gift sometimes. Sometimes the gift is that somebody cares about me enough to say or do this thing for me or to me. 
And it's not the gift of, it's not the handshake that's the gift. It's the understanding that somebody's looking out for me. Somebody cares about me. I'm important to somebody. Sometimes I, I, you know, I saw somewhere somebody, not here, but somewhere from another church was asking for money for something, you know, that hardships, I need a couple extra dollars. Somebody gives that money. Money's not the gift. Hope is the gift. Hope is the gift. We can change somebody's entire life by maybe giving somebody a couple dollars. Not because they need the dollars to get forward. Because they need the hope to change their outlook on what's going on in their lives. And God puts us in this incredible position that we can be the deliverers of such incredible, good, and perfect gifts from above. Uh, Youth Congress was a couple weeks ago. Hayden wanted to go to the Youth Congress. You know, he needs a little bit of money. Put on Facebook, social media. Hey, I got, I'm bringing coffee to sell at church. If you guys want to buy some coffee, man, it's going to be here. We sold out in like three minutes or something like that. Thank you for your money. But that's not the gift. The gift for me was an opportunity to know that this church loves us. And would support us. That's the gift. I, uh, Spent a little bit of a little bit of a go for our family the last little bit, and uh, I had a meeting at work on Friday, and it was just a just a crazy deal. And uh, Friday night, I was I was driving the U-Haul with all my coffee gear to head on to, to New Life. My friend Pastor Bachelors was going to make some coffee for the ladies over there, and we had a wonderful time uh, making coffee at the ladies' event. Um, and um, I'm on my way, and I'm just like so emotional about what took place in that in that meeting. And I'm driving. I'm in the U-Haul. Nobody's around. You ever just get by yourself and just talk to God, but you're not really talking to God. You're like yelling. <laughs> you're yelling at God. Have you ever yelled at God? Man, I do. I do. And I'm in the car, and honestly, I'm. I'm just like bawling, and and I'm like, you know, God, have I not have I not given enough? Have I not done enough? Have I not been kind enough? Have I not been good enough to enough people? You know, like where are you at? And like, I'm like, where are you at, God? Just angry, and my phone dings. My phone dings, and it's a text from Greg Fosdick. Hey, man, know you had a meeting today. Care about you, just checking in on you. The gift is not always the gift. The gift wasn't a text message to me to be like, hey, what's going on? The gift was an answer to prayer. Because now I know this is God telling me he's looking out for me. I got it all under control. 
Sometimes the gift is not the gift. So you have no right to be stingy giving gifts to people in this church, to people in this community. Give with an open hand. Because your gift, whatever it is, sometimes the gift is not the gift. I told you the story about Sadal and, and Turin. The thing is, we can be either one of those people at any point in life. One day you may be the person that is undeserving and you, <laughs> you cut yourself on your own. They don't deserve our kindness. One day you could be that person. And sometimes even a kind heart, even a good person, an honest hand can hew a miss. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Sometimes life just doesn't add up the way you want it to. And my prayer for you is that God would allow somebody in your life, outside your life, that would be open to giving you a gift that maybe is something tangible in that moment, but that gift is not the real gift. The real gift is that God loves you, that God sees you, people love you, people care about you, and that there is hope no matter what hardship you deal with. Lord, we love you today, God. We're so thankful for your goodness and your mercy your kindness to us. Lord, thank you for every good and perfect gift that you send to us, whether by your own hand or whether delivered by another, God. I am so grateful for all those good and perfect things. Thank you for seeing us right where we're at, understanding our hardships, not tempting us with evil, but God putting us in a place where you can take us to a higher place, a better place, a next step. God, through the challenges that we face in life, every good, every perfect gift comes from you. I pray help us to not just receive gifts, but I pray help us to give with an open hand to those that are in need. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you welcome Sister Natalie to the stage this evening?